It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Reds fans? I'm Jeff Carr, and you are Locked On Reds. And here we go. Hey, how you doing? My name is Jeff Carr. You are Locked On Reds here on a Tuesday. This is episode number 200 of the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to today's show. This is 200. This is actually episode 71 for me, so it's been a nice ride here, 71 episodes, getting to record. You know, obviously James Rapine got this started last year, and he's done. he did a great job to set a base, a daily podcast, the only daily podcast for the Cincinnati Reds, and I'm very grateful to be continuing on what he had started last season. On today's show, we're going to look at the Miami Marlins coming to town for a three-game set at Great American Ballpark, and I'll also get to a few of your questions here in the second half of today's show. But before we get to that, make sure you are subscribed on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and Himalaya. That is the best way to get this podcast each and every day. It'll automatically download, and hey, then you can use your voice activation function on your smart device to play the podcast Lockdown Reds. All you got to do is say, hey, smart device, whether that be Google, Siri, Alexa, whatever you have, and say, play podcast Locked On Reds, and it'll pull right up. Also check us out on social media, Locked On Reds and at Jeff Carr with three F's. And our website, LockedOnReds.com, where we've got a great team of writers going. There is an article up by Dave Pemberton, kind of looking at the start that the Reds have had and acknowledging the frustration while also pointing out some possible solutions. Definitely check that out. It's a good piece by Dave. Now... The Reds have an opportunity to turn things around. They're playing the Miami Marlins from Tuesday through Thursday, a nice three-game set right before they head down to Mexico to play the Cardinals. And Tuesday night, we'll see Luis Castillo toe the rubber for the Reds, and this is his time. I really think this is going to be the perfect opportunity for him to notch his first victory of 2019, and it'll be the perfect opportunity for the Reds to notch their second victory. And the reason I say that is, from a lineup standpoint, they're due in more ways than one. They're due for this year, since they've kind of had a slow start. And last season, when they played the Marlins, they played the Marlins in seven games, and they were 2-5 and five against Miami, they actually hit really bad against the Marlins. It was the team that they were the worst against at hitting the baseball. They scored only 14 runs in those seven games against Miami. And as a team, they compiled a batting average of a buck 84. They had a 260 on-base percentage and they slugged less than 300 at 296. So 
they are definitely due from an offensive standpoint. They did have five home runs, and like I said, just the 14 RBIs. And it's funny because I I was tweeting out some stats a little bit earlier today, just looking and getting ready for this. The player on the Reds who had the highest on-base percentage against the Marlins, and he had a a decent number of at-bats to put this together, but that would be Billy Hamilton. Now, I'm not saying that the Reds certainly miss Billy Hamilton's bat, but it is kind of funny to see that stat. Joey Votto was the best bat against the Marlins. He hit 333 with a homer and four RBIs against the Finns last year. He'll look to build off of that success. You know, it's just matchup statistics. It's not going to predict anything per se, kind of like what Joel Luckup said a few weeks ago. But on the same token... I think he's ready to go. And then from a pitching aspect, Luis Castillo will tow the rubber on Tuesday, like I mentioned, against Jose Urena. Urena pitched against the Reds last season, a five and two-thirds innings outing, and he did get the win, but it was kind of a mixed bag. He gave up three hits and a walk, and he only had two strikeouts, so the Reds were able to at least put together an okay day. He he did shut them out for five and two-thirds, though, so that is something to watch. Luis Castillo, on the other hand, pitched eight and a third in his only start against the Marlins, which, as I had mentioned in a tweet earlier as well, those eight and a third innings was the most innings that any Reds pitcher tossed against the Finns, and he did it in just one start. Unfortunately, kind of the microcosm of Luis Castillo's performances is he got a no decision because the Marlins ended up winning that game in extra innings. So he's going to look to bounce back. Well, not really bounce back, but he's going to look for a better result this time around. He's had two career starts against his former team, and both starts have gone at least eight innings. So he likes pitching against Miami. And really... When it comes to the Marlins, they're kind of an unknown. I mean, you don't even have to take it from me. Take it from C. Trent Rosecrans. It should be an opportunity. This is a team that should be better than the Marlins, but but baseball. Baseball's right. I mean, the Reds are looking at a team who is comes into Cincinnati at 3-7. and seven. They're not expected to do much in the National League East, a very strong division, and they're rebuilding. I feel like the Marlins have constantly been in a state of rebuilding since their last World Series victory, but here they are again. The three pitchers that the Reds are going to face, the only one that I've heard of is Jose Urena. Now, coming out of the bullpen, their closer is Sergio Romo. I don't know if we'll see him in any capacity other than closer. Obviously, it's really early on in the season to have seen any sort of openers or anything like that. Sergio Romo did pitch in an opener capacity when he was with Tampa Bay last season. He, you know, that was widely documented, but I don't see him pitching as an opener in this series. However, they could face him late in the game, so that'll be interesting to see how they handle that. And then on the lineup side of things, when it comes to the Marlins, so far leading them in home runs is their catcher, Jorge Alfaro. He's got three home runs. He also leads them in RBIs with six. Then there's also Starlin Castro, who is probably their best hitter starting out the season. He's batting 300. He's got 12 hits and 40 at-bats with two homers and four RBI. He's back with Miami. And then they've also got Curtis Granderson. They've got Lewis Brinson, who's still trying to build his career up. They've also got Neil Walker 
playing first base mostly for them, although he's not had a good start to the season. And then also in the mix, they've got Martin Prado, a name that you all know. And they've also got Rosel Herrera, a youngster, playing in the outfield. So it'll be interesting to see how this lineup matches up with the Reds' pitching, if the Reds can get back on track with their pitching. I think this is a good opportunity to do so. Guys, real fast, I want to take a moment out of today's podcast to plug BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has a special offer for listeners of the Locked On Reds podcast. Just head on over to their website, BlueChew.com, and enter promo code MLB. You'll get a free offer from them. You just pay $5 in shipping. They'll send over a little bit of their product to you at your door. Blue Chew has the same active ingredient as Viagra or Cialis, and it works very quickly in a chewable form. If you're looking for a performance boost, then look no further than Blue Chew. It is the fast, easy, and cheap way to get that performance boost, and through this special introductory offer, go over to their website, bluechew.com, enter promo code MLB for a free shipment today. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. You're Locked on Reds here on this Tuesday. My name is Jeff Carr. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to the podcast. Just did a little bit of a preview for the Marlins series. Looking at Tuesday night's game, they will begin at 640. They're still doing that early start time here during the month of April. But 640 with the probable pitchers being Luis Castillo for the Redlegs and Jose Urena for the Marlins. I think this is a good chance for the Reds to get turned around in the the trajectory of the season. So, now let's jump into a new segment, something that I want to try and do each and every week, and that is a mailbag segment. Not, obviously, a very original name. Everybody's got a mailbag segment or something of that nature. But whatevs, here's the Locked On Reds version of the mailbag. This first question comes via the voicemail line, Locked On Reds voicemail line from Matt. Hey Jeff, this is Matt. My question is, how long is it going to take for the Reds to finally bring Philip Irvin up and send Shepler down? Not only did Irving have a better spring training, he's also younger. I think he's a better defender, and of course Shepler can't do anything right right now looks terrible at the plate thanks for the podcast bye thanks for the call matt and a reminder that the locked on reds voicemail line is 513-549-0159 but i appreciate matt's question it's something that i've thought of here a lot lately when will the reds bring up phil Irvin? i feel like it's something that could really provide something i i think this early on there's a lot of over-analyzing going on with the performances of guys. You know, it's only been nine games, so 
you know, there's that wait and see. But at the same time, I do agree with Matt. I think Phil Irvin is a much better defensive center field option than Scott Shebler. At least, you know, he's he's more athletic. He, I think he's got a little bit better of an arm. And he probably has a little bit better range than Shebler does. And, and like he mentioned, Irvin did have a good spring. I don't want to dwell too much on spring training statistics. But at the same time, it looked like Irvin was kind of building up momentum for the season, and then they just kind of sent him down to AAA. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, you go down there and handle that. Shebler does have options, so it could be an interesting thing if Shebler continues to struggle. He really did have a nice game on Sunday, so maybe they give him a little bit longer of a leash to try and build on that. But I could see Phil Irvin up probably in the next couple of months, especially depending on how Senzel's recovery goes, which there's been good news on that. Hopefully we'll see Nick Senzel here pretty soon. But Phil Irvin definitely deserves a shot to be on the Major League roster and to get some significant playing time in center field. The next question comes from John via Twitter, and it was something that he had said during the game the other day about Michael Lorenzen, but I figured it'd be a good shot for the mailbag segment. He had the question of he would like to know what Michael Lorenzen's career statistics are with inherited runners, and it seems like it's something he struggled with really early on in this season, and truth be told, you know, again, small sample size, but... In, just in this season alone, he's seen seven inherited runners, and four of those have scored. That's a rate of 57% of inherited runners scoring. Now, that's way higher than his career percentage. His career inherited runner scoring percentage. I feel like there's a better way to say that. But anyway, that's how I'm saying it. Uh, but he has seen 35% of his inherited runners as a relief pitcher Score So in his, you know, according to baseball reference, in his career, he has seen 66 inherited runners, and he has allowed 23 of those to score. And, you know, obviously that's situational and different things like that. And I'm sure that they would like to see that number lower. For comparison's sake, I looked up Andrew Miller, and Andrew Miller in his career has allowed 20% of the inherited runners he's seen score, and he's seen a total of 197 inherited runners and only 40 of them he has allowed to score. And, you know, even Rysel Iglesias has a smaller percentage, not quite as small as Andrew Miller's, and he's had a much smaller sample size than Andrew Miller's, but in Rysel Iglesias' career, he has allowed only 27% of the inherited runners he has seen to score. So yeah, it could be better from Michael Lorenzen. And it's something that definitely if you're a reliever and your manager calls on you out of the bullpen and there's guys on base, you definitely don't want to let them in. And it doesn't always show up on your ERA, but it's something that, you know, fans kind of stick in the back of their mind. It's like, oh man, you brought this guy in in a really high, you know, pressure situation with guys on base really would have liked to have seen him keep them on base so that'll be something to monitor as the season goes on I'll definitely keep my eye on that and I'm running a little bit over but I do want to fit in one more question I got a question from Chad Short on Twitter at CDS 62 he asked if you were the manager of the Reds what would you do to try to get the team back on track 
And, and you know, I, I think this is a situation where you almost kind of have to grin and bear it a little bit because I feel like if you just if you're constantly making changes then guys don't get comfortable. I think baseball players are creatures of habit and creatures of routine. And if you're going to keep, you know, switching things up on them, it's going to be hard for them to get comfortable in situations during the game because they've got that in the back of their mind, like tomorrow might be completely different. So I think there's something to be said for keeping things constant. At the same time, one of the things that I might change, at least here in the early going, if I were David Bell, maybe – Ease up on the hook just a little bit. Like, I feel like he has used all three lefty relievers that they have between Amir Garrett, Wandy Peralta, and Zach Duke as loogies. You don't need three loogies on your team. If you got three loogies on your team, then you're just constantly working other bullpen arms way too much. Amir Garrett especially has the ability to go more than one inning. He started games, you know, in not that decent, you know, not that uh, distant past. So I feel like the uh, the hook could be lessened a little bit. Probably the biggest change that I would make if I was David Bell. That's all the time we have for today. Definitely make sure to send in your questions throughout the week, and then next Tuesday I will look to have another mailbag segment here on the podcast. But that's it for the Tuesday edition of the Locked on Reds podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to today's show. Make sure that you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Himalaya, all the wonderful podcast apps that there are. I'm sure you can find Locked on Reds there. Also, check out LockedOnReds.com. Our great writers have content going up all the time. And then look us up on social media at LockedOnReds and at Jeff Carr with three Fs. Hopefully, we'll be talking about a win tomorrow on Wednesday's pod. I'll talk to you then. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.